Welcome back to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. And each week we cover a new topic and we pop open a new bottle of wine. Yes. This week really popped it open. We popped it open Mm -hmm. um, because we are talking about how to have more fun. I'm so excited. I'm so excited too. We have science journalist and author Catherine Price with us to talk about how we can have more fun in our lives, what is true fun, I need to which know. I'm curious about, and also what is SPARK and how we could use this acronym to live more fun-filled lives. Enhance our lives. I'm really excited about I this. I love an acronym. Um, but now we got some housekeeping first. We got a little housekeeping. If you guys have been listening for a while, you know we have a new segment called Random Advice. So if you need advice on anything, literally anything, just feel free to DM us at Am I Doing This Right Pod on Instagram or email us at Am I Doing This Right Pod at gmail.com. Completely anonymous. Yeah. We will not say who you are, but we will answer your question if you need help. We give great advice. We give great advice. We've done it before. You guys have heard it. Yeah. We would love to do a full episode. Too. Yeah. We love to do a full episode. If you guys send us enough, we will do a full episode. So send them in. And then a real quick little plug here is we had an episode, episode 43, which was How to Rise from Tragedy with Melissa Bumstead and Lauren Hammersley. And they had a documentary called In the Dark of the Valley. And at the time, it was only on festival circuits. But now it is on MSNBC. And it will be premiering Sunday, November 14th at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time if you want to watch. Yeah, I I really loved having them on and hearing their story, which is obviously so tragic, but um, was really inspiring and enlightening. Eye-opening. Very eye-opening. Yes. So it'll be cool to see if more people get their eyes on it if there's some change with yeah, the situation. Yeah, for sure. Um, but Nat, let's celebrate let's right celebrate. now our fun episode with this. I'm very excited about the, I guess it's is it champagne. What is this? So it's not a champagne because oh, it's, it's not, from, not champagne. from champagne, but it is French. It's a brut. A brut? And it just says French sparkling wine. What? How do you say this? You know, she is the French. It's Faire la Fête. Which means... It means like to do the party. To like, do the party. Like to do, I, I would like to translate it to doing the damn thing. We're just doing the damn thing. <laughs> Ooh. Natalie brought like very special. Little like, champagne They flutes. say cheers and celebrate. Celebra- we're also celebrating because we're in a new studio today. <gasps> we're in a new studio. Cheers. Cheers. I might have to fill us up again because the bubbles. Ooh. Oh, 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 Should we talk about this other situation we have here? So everyone is listening. We're going to be doing a live taste test of another beverage that is sitting in front of us, which is something that I've been hyping up to Natalie for a long time now. Months. Months. And I told Nat, I don't want you to buy it for yourself. I will buy it for you. It is the Starbucks ice chai tea latte with pumpkin cream cold foam with oat milk. With oat milk. And Nat doesn't like oat milk, but I do think you're going to like this. In this in this particular scenario. Not. And that's why I said I want to buy it because I don't want you to spend your own money on something oh, you're not right. like. Okay. And there's no offense. If you don't like it, you don't like it. I think I'll probably like it. I don't know. She's going to give it a shot. Okay. We're going to give it a shot on three. Oh, my God. I'm like freaking <laughs> out. Oh, that's good. It's good. Wait, wait. Get a little. So kind of move the straw up and get a little bit of the pumpkin oh, a little cream. Bit. Oh, there's cinnamon or something on it. I don't know. Just get a little, get a little shot of that. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, very pumpkin pie. Very pumpkin pie. Very pumpkin pie. And I'm not mad at the oat milk. Mm. It's creamy. It's creamy. It's a little... Can if you, I were to get it again, I would probably get... Regular milk. Regular milk or soy milk, which is like... Have the, we talked about the fact that you drink regular milk on the podcast? I don't think so. But every time I go into a coffee shop in LA and I say, can I just get like regular milk? They're like... <gasps> they're like... Uh, That's how I let feel. Let me see in and the I back if, that if means, I have it. <laughs> I don't know if that means like I'm so LA or something. But when you say you drink milk, it hits me in my... It's like a punch to my... St- I'm like, oh my God. Well, I've tried every other milk alternative and they just aren't the same here's the thing the fact that like i judge you for drinking milk but you exclusively eat vegetables and i all the only healthy thing i do is maybe (laughs) drink oat milk and then i only eat frozen pizza right yeah i eat fruits and vegetables (laughs) exclusively almost exclusively and i'm like you drink milk my god (laughs) it's gonna take years off your life just regular (laughs) ass milk actually i drink lactose free organic milk okay no that makes more sense but also i need to just specify i'm not drinking milk like glasses I'm not, of milk <laughs> no i'm pouring like a little bit into my tea in the morning i think i've asked you this before but did you ever was like in your household spaghetti and milk a thing i mean milk and just any meal was any a thing. meal but like if my mom made like spaghetti i had to have a full glass of two percent milk that's the only <sighs> way i ate spaghetti I, I don't know that, if that must w- have been a you thing. That must have been a me thing. <laughs> think that was I was like, thing. oh, yeah, spaghetti and milk. You're like, it's a party. <laughs> it's a party here today, which we're going to keep it- talking about. Yes, I'm so excited. I feel like as we get older, we have to learn how to make fun a priority. Yeah. And we personally, going to out us here on the podcast, we struggle with feeling guilty for having fun instead of working 24-7. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. And I think I'm really excited to bring on like a fun expert to teach, uh, literally teach us how to have more fun. And we do a pretty good job. Sometimes we go on our little trippies. Yeah. They're super fun. But I think in general, like I feel like I should be working 20%. (laughs) Yeah. Our day to day is like, I pretty much wake up working and then go to sleep working. Yeah. So it's not great. It's not great. And I feel like Catherine has thoughts on that. Yeah. I think Catherine won't approve, but I'm just going to give her a, a, a brief little intro here. Catherine Price is an award-winning science journalist and speaker and the author of books including The Power of Fun, How to Feel Alive Again, and How to Break Up with Your Phone. She's also the creator and founder of ScreenLifeBalance.com, and she helps people to scroll less, live more, and have fun. I love that mission for her. Yeah. Sounds like our type of gal. She sounds like our type of gal. So let's bring on Catherine Price. Hello, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Hello. We are so excited to have you on today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for your invitation. I think it's funny to mention that I had reached out to interview you a while back, but the way I reached out to you, it was an episode on how to break up with your phone, but I DM'd you, which I realized someone who wrote a book on how to break up with their phone, probably not the best way to get in touch with them. It's via social media. I am just horrible. I, I don't like Instagram to begin with, but I'm also just horrible at it. Like I just don't get how it works. So I am pretty sure there's other people I'd like to respond to that are hidden in that app and I can't. I, like for the life of me, I cannot figure out how to access things. I just, 
then I fling it to the side. So I'm so happy that we did eventually connect and that we're here. Yeah, <laughs> we, we no, got through. It, it was just I was like, of course she's not going to see this, Corinne. Like she, <laughs> her whole thing is that she's like enjoying life and not on her phone. Um, that's your whole mission, which I think is so cool. Your first book is How to Break Up with Your Phone, but today we're actually going to talk about your new book, which is The Power of Fun: How to Feel Alive Again. And I'm interested in how you started studying fun and how that relates to your last book you just and your website that you have, which is Screen Life Balance. Yeah, they're all directly connected. I, I thought I had them next to me, but now I can't find my own. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I'd written How to Break With Your Phone a couple of years ago, which was the result of my realization that despite being, I like to think, a pretty self-aware person who's intentional about how I spend my time, I was spending way too much time on my phone. And that really came to a head one night when I was up with my daughter, who at that point was just a baby. And I had this moment where I could see the scene as it would appear to an outsider. And she was looking up at me and I was looking down at my phone and it made my heart sink. Mm -hmm. You know, I realized in that moment, that's not how I wanted to experience motherhood and it, or my own life. And it certainly wasn't the impression I wanted her to have of a relationship, let alone with her own mother. So that was what inspired how to break up with your phone, this realization that I needed to change. And that at that point, it wasn't like other people weren't suffering from the problem. It was just people weren't really talking about it that much. And the books that were out there about some of the negative effects of our screen time and devices didn't give a plan. So they were just kind of depressing and alarmist, but they didn't help. Right. And it's like, this is what's wanted... wrong with you and there's no solution. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm like, I don't want that. That's not a good result for people. So that's why, yeah, How to Break Up Your Phone has a plan. Second half of the book is a plan for how to take back control. And the first half looks into the science of why our devices and apps are so hard to look away from and what we can do, what it's doing to us, yeah. which I'm happy to talk about in this conversation too. But anyway, so the fast forward, you know, a couple of years later, I realized, okay, well, I'm doing a lot better with my phone. And I'd created this platform called screenlifebalance.com, which was my realization that once I'd cut back on phone time, I still was spending so much time with my computer. Screens mm. just in general were such a common use of my time. But then I realized that I'd reclaimed a lot of time by breaking up with my phone, which I should clarify means creating a better relationship with it, not dumping it entirely, but I right. created better boundaries. So then I realized, oh my goodness, I have all this free time now because there's a lot of time to reclaim, <laughs> but I've actually lost sight of what I want to do with it. Right. And I ended up asking myself a question that I asked people when I was researching how to break up with your phone, which was what's something you always say you want to do, but you supposedly don't have time for. And my answer to that question was learn guitar because I had a guitar my grandmother had given me money for when I was in college. And she played guitar. I was really close with her. Uh, I played piano, but I'd never gotten around to doing anything with this guitar. So I ended up signing up for this class. And it was with a bunch of other adults. It was BYOB. It was very low-key, non-stressful. And I realized that I was feeling this sense of energy and this exuberance that was very surprising to me. And when I tried to put my finger on what that feeling was, the best word I could come up with was fun. And I was thinking, oh, I'm having fun. And it felt so good. And it, it was much more than just enjoyment in the moment. It lingered afterwards. I was just better, like more fun to be around. I felt more resilient. I was just happier and more creative, and more productive. And so I, similar to what happened with me with How to Break Up With Your Phone, where I turned that personal issue into a professional project, I thought I'd do the same with fun. And one thing I was really interested in was what was the source of this fun? Because at first I thought maybe it's the guitar playing, right? I think many of us think that fun is in the activities themselves. Yeah, right. More activities, we'd have more fun. And then we think, oh my God, I'm already so busy. How am I going to do more activities? But then I realized it wasn't about the guitar playing. Like that was great. And I am really happy to have a new skill, but it was more the feeling I was getting from the environment and the people and the fact that we were just playing together 
literally and metaphorically with no purpose. And that anyway, that launched me into this entire exploration into what fun is, what its benefits are, how it stands in contrast to some of the negative effects of our screen time. And then again, I wanted to give people something really practical to take away from it. So I created a whole, like the second half of the book is a plan for how each of us can identify what's the most likely to create fun for us and build more opportunities for those things into our lives. Wow. Wow. That is so I need, incredible. I need the plan. Yeah, we, we need the plan. <laughs> if you guys need it, that's a bad sign because you seem like pretty fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we'll get into it. But I'm curious, did you always have kind of a, like a fun filled life before the phones and before all the technology? Like, do you remember just having more fun before that and then it kind of got lost? Is that kind of where you think we are right now as a society? I do think I was having more fun before I got a smartphone, which is ironic considering that they're marketed to us as fun. It's hard to separate exactly the cause and effect because I kind of grew up along with the internet and my college experience was before smartphones they really started to become a thing, I guess, a couple of years after I graduated, but I had a lot of time to have life experiences before that. But it also was a fun time of life, honestly, because I wasn't yet a parent and I wasn't, right. <laughs> I mean, which are wonderful things, but you know, right. it was a fun stage where you have fewer responsibilities. So I think that the stage of life contributed to the fun, but I truly actually do think that part of the side effect of getting a smartphone is having less fun. And in part, that's because we're not as present with each other. I mean, and putting that's there. With that said, obviously, there's huge benefits to having phones and smartphones. Right, and we all right. felt those benefits during the pandemic, the peak of the pandemic in particular, where, my goodness, can you imagine if we didn't have Zoom? Oh, my, <laughs> no, my boyfriend would be dead. <laughs> yeah. But with that said, you know, for example, I did this bike trip after college, which was from Connecticut to San Francisco, we bicycled across the whole country. And it was wow. 63 days with 30 people. And it was in many ways horrible. But it also was enormously fun, because it was such a fun group of people. And we all were bonded together in this moment with one common purpose, which was just to bike those 80 miles or so that we were doing a day. And none of us were distracted. And some of my fondest memories from that time in my life are from that trip, we had so much fun together. And I think that if we had had smartphones and if people had been able to zone out at the end of the day by scrolling through social media or posting pictures of us to social media instead of being forced to create our own fun, like we created, you know, bike trip Olympics for ourselves. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, you have to get creative insane. when you don't have your phone. You yeah, have to start exactly. thinking outside I, of yeah, the box. So I don't think it would have been as fun. Definitely. It's kind of like I grew up in a small town and we just had to like make stuff up in terms of like things to do. We'd be like, oh, we'll go like throw rocks today. You know, you just have to like get creative on like what we're supposed to do for fun. Yeah. Yes, I think that speaks to the fact that I think another misperception or misconception people have about fun is it needs to be elaborate or it needs to be expensive, but it doesn't. Like throwing rocks, I mean, hopefully not at people, but like- No, like <laughs> into the river. <laughs> yeah, and I talked to someone yesterday who was saying he just had had fun with his nephew this past weekend while he was sitting on a bench and they were just trying to catch leaves as they fell from a tree. And he said they did that for two hours and they had so much fun. And I just thought that was so fantastic because part of my book is that there's opportunities for fun floating in the air all around us. We just need to know how to grab them. And I, I said to him, I was like, oh, my God, you just made my metaphor. You're literally. Like, I literally, you literally did it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I feel like though as adults, I mean, I we're young adults shifting into our adulthood or learning how to be adults. We we say all the time. Um, we've noticed that as we're working, we struggle with a sense of guilt when we're having too much fun or when we're taking time off work to have fun or off work to do vacations or things like that. And I, th- I think a lot of adults feel that way that you feel guilty to have fun. How do you like combat that? Or why do you think that is? I think it's definitely true, first of all. And I think it's true culturally as Americans, like especially for Americans, because we do have a sense of guilt often associated with pleasure, which is messed up on its own. I also think younger generations have it even worse in some ways, because there's been this People who did grow up with smartphones and social media have always been subjected to this public performance of their lives in a way that does suck you out of the moment. But also this pressure for everything you do as a kid to have some sort of tangible outcome, you know, all these extracurriculars that are essentially resume building opportunities for Mm -hmm. your future college applications to get into an elite school so you can have a successful career, none of which has to do with fun. So that's bad. I think there's actually... (laughs) Like, there's a lot of mental health issues associated with this inability to let go and just allow ourselves to do things that we enjoy purely for the sake of enjoying them. I think that one way to combat that, I mean, ideally, there'd be a reframing of our approach and just a recognition that it's it's okay to enjoy our lives, people. And you can be a good person doing good work in the world who also has fun. I think we're supposed to enjoy our lives. Right, I, I think so. And, and it doesn't mean that you're not caring about other people and you're not caring about the world's problems. You actually be more resilient and have more energy to do those things and be better connected with people through fun. But I think another reason, if anyone needs further justification, is that fun actually is good for us in ways way beyond what we might anticipate. It's actually profoundly good, I would argue, for our physical health and our mental well-being. And so if you're trying to choose your New Year's resolutions and you're thinking about things like exercise more or meditate or spend less time on screens, whatever it may be, or be happier, somehow become happier, fun can actually be a path to those things Mm. that doesn't feel like work. So one of the main points in my book and the reason it's called The Power of Fun is that Fun actually is a very powerful intervention for our happiness and health. And hey, guess what? It's also fun. It's like going on a diet where the whole point is to eat more foods that you love. So I don't think we need to feel guilty about it. I would really encourage us to try to let go of that guilt, both because we're allowed to enjoy our lives. We should enjoy our lives. And also because fun will help those lives be as healthy and as long as possible. Yeah. We need to get rid of the term guilty pleasure is what it sounds like. Yes. Can you actually go in a little bit more? I'm curious about the health benefits that you're talking about. Well, so I have type 1 diabetes and I've always been... So does she. She was just beeping. Is that a beep? Yes, she was just beeping. Do you have an Omnibot? No, I've got a tandem. Oh my That's so god! So funny. I was wondering that. Yes, oh she's beeping. That's why I was like, "Are you okay? Are yeah, you dying?" I'm like, We're good. <laughs> Do you have a Dexcom? No, I literally was like, "Oh, that sounded sort of like a pump, but it's not my beep, so it must not be a thing." But I heard that beep, and I had the question oh in my, my mind. God, <laughs> type ones unite. Okay, now I really need to know how fun and type one uh, come together. Type one, type fun. Oh, I would say type one diabetes it. is objectively. Not fun and uh, super <laughs> Not fun. annoying and frustrating. But um, but yes, so, okay, that's probably why you asked me that question, is that you too are interested in physiology and health. Yeah. And I'm particularly interested, so I used to write a lot more about, before I got into technology, and well, I guess it's all connected because it all is about health, but 
I'm very interested in how our environments affect our physical bodies and our health, whether it's the foods that we eat or the emotional conditions that we are in and how that affects our hormones in a way that affects our health. One thing I'm really interested in is the effect of cortisol and stress hormones mm. on our short and long-term well-being. And I became really interested in how our phones might be affecting that because of a practice my husband and I do, which is to try to take a 24-hour regular 24 hour break from our screens, often from Friday to Saturday nights, which I encourage everyone to try. It's really interesting. And Was that we, t television screens, it, you can define it how you want to for us. It did. Yeah. We took a full break from screens, but you can, you know, adjust the practice as you see fit or experiment with different versions of it or start with one night and then build up to 24 hours. I actually have suggestions on my website. It was screenlifebalance.com for how people can prepare for it. But I noticed from our experience and the experience of all these other people I heard from it was all very similar. You feel really anxious and twitchy the first night. And then the next day, many people report this strange sense of calm. And I became really interested in what is that sense of calm and the sense that time slows down and that you don't even want to turn your phone back on by the end of the 24 hours. And I began to wonder if perhaps that actually was a reflection of something happening in our bodies in terms of our stress hormones. And if that could be a reduction in cortisol, and that maybe all of us are so stressed out because of these constant notifications and our FOMO and this feeling of needing to be reachable at all times, that it's actually affecting our body's hormonal milieu in a way that's bad for us. So anyway, I ended up writing an article about that. You know, is it possible our phones by encouraging the state of hypervigilance are actually having negative health effects? And all of these neuroendocrinologists I interviewed said, no, that's not crazy. Like that actually is quite possible. So all that is to say that was the part of the negative health effects of screens, I think, is this hypervigilance and also this disruptions to sleep, which messes up cortisol. And anything that messes up our cortisol levels has been shown definitively to increase our risks for long-term health conditions like heart disease and heart attack and stroke and even dementia and cancer. It's not controversial. It's, stress is really bad for us. Yeah. yeah. All that is to say... I became really interested in how fun might have the opposite effects. And I should back up and say that one of the most interesting things I found when I was researching this book is that there wasn't a good agreed upon definition of fun. And I realized I had to come up with one myself. And I can tell you about that process if you want. But the eventual definition I settled on was that when we're having what I call true fun. Yeah, yeah, we saw that. We were going to ask about what what is true fun. Yeah, yeah, we can talk more about that however much you want. But the short answer is that it's the confluence of playfulness, connection, and flow. So when you're feeling lighthearted and um, you have a playful spirit combined with a sense of connection, which usually is with another person, although it could be with you know an animal like a dog or it could be with yourself. And then flow, which is the psychological state of being very engaged and present in your current experience, like an athlete lost in the game. And while there wasn't research that was done on the concept of fun per se, because no one had defined it, there's lots of research about playfulness, connection, and flow. And it's really interesting and exciting because all three of those states reduce our stress levels and boost our physical health. And if you think about, well, they're powerful on their own, I can only imagine what they do when they're together. And so this is a long way of answering your question. The health effects so fun, I think are very much the health effects of stress lowering interventions, coupled with interventions where we feel socially connected with people, because it turns out that isolation and loneliness don't just feel bad emotionally, they're actually crazily bad for us physically. Um, there's a landmark study that equated feeling lonely and isolated with the health risks of smoking 15 one five cigarettes a day. Oh wow, God. that is insane. Isn't that crazy? It can change how our genes are expressed. So it can actually affect which genes are turned off and on at what points in time in a way that can 
as one person um, whose work I read put it, act as a fertilizer for other diseases. So loneliness acts as a fertilizer for other diseases. Fun, by connecting us, is an antidote to loneliness. And so I would posit that it does the opposite. So I think it's, I mean, fun is like, it's not just a, you know, a, a title, like it truly is powerful. And that's one of the things that's the most exciting to me is, oh my goodness, like it's not just that it's enjoyable, it's really good for us. Yeah, well, I can even vouch for that. We were just on a little trip together and we always have so much fun. And it is for those three reasons really but every time we do a trip my I have like low blood sugars because my I don't need as much insulin because I'm not as stressed out <laughs> that's fascinating oh man yeah we could have so much to talk about I know. Yes. you know it's so interesting like every time I do a public talk with a big you know in-person audience even if I don't physically feel stressed if I don't recognize that I'm feeling that way I'll look at my blood sugar and it will be spiked and it'll be really hard to get it to come down. And just what you're saying, it's because of cortisol and it's because stress hormones are there to keep our blood sugars elevated so that we have enough energy to, you know, run away from a lion. Like it's really important right. if it's a short term threat, but the problem now is so much of our stress and so many of our threats are emotional and chronic over long periods of time. But one thing all right, I hate type one diabetes. One thing I find fascinating about our disease is I think of us as being a fishbowl where you can see what the environment and our emotions do to our bodies in a way that most people can't because their pancreas is taking care of it. But for us, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So true. It really is it's messing so you true. up. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And uh, yeah, and I remember hearing from a doctor once he was saying that, or someone was saying they had a patient or a friend whose blood sugar always dropped during a phone conversation with the particular person in their life. And they were saying it's because it was relieving their stress. I mean, it's fascinating. Marry that person. <laughs> so if, you have, if you prioritize fun, you better like cut your insulin dose by like half. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I know you just mentioned true fun, but I wanted to get into deeper what that means and if there's a difference between true fun and not true fun. Yeah, is there a fake fun? <laughs> yeah, thank you for asking that because I think that this was another thing that really stood out to me as I got into the research myself. The reason I came up with the term true fun instead of just fun, well, two things. First, as I said, there just wasn't a good definition of fun. The best thing I found was that it was lighthearted pleasure, but that did not capture what I was feeling in the guitar class. And it didn't capture the anecdotes that people told me about when I asked people to share with me stories from their own lives of what of experiences they had that they would have defined as really fun. There was something so much more powerful about them than just lighthearted pleasure. And then I started to realize that the lack of definition makes us really vulnerable to any company that wants to sell us their products as fun mm -hmm. and tell us that we'll have fun if we use them because we don't think about the words. So we like, oh, okay, I guess you told me that watching seven episodes of this television show is fun. So I'll just keep binging or the biggest offender is social media where it's for fun. We do it in our leisure time. It must be fun because it's for leisure time. And yet who really feels better after spending an hour mindlessly scrolling or looking at accounts of people whose posts make us feel bad about ourselves? And so I realized, oh, it's not just, you know, fun versus things that aren't fun. There's what I call true fun, which is that playful connected flow. And then there's fake fun, which essentially is like junk food. Mm. It's stuff that's really, we're compulsively drawn to. And I can talk more about why, but basically because again, our biochemistry is being manipulated and these products are designed Those, to like, suck. dopamine in. hits. Yeah. But then much like junk food, maybe you get an initial jolt of pleasure from it, but then because you end up binging it, you feel gross and empty afterwards. <laughs> And so I, I came up with the term fake fun to help all of us begin to recognize it 
and call it out for what it is. Because once you recognize that difference and you feel the difference between, for example, the two of you going away for a weekend and having so much fun that your blood sugar lowers <laughs> and the feeling many of us get from looking through social media, you suddenly don't even, you're like, you kind of get disgusted by the fake fun. Like, don't try to fool me into thinking that that's mm. fun. That's fake fun. I don't want anything to do with that. I want more of the good stuff. So mm. I think it's a powerful tool just to be able to have words to distinguish those two things. Yeah. You also in the book talked about fun factors and fun magnets. Can you kind of define what those are and how that kind of comes into the picture? Yeah. So I would argue that there is a universal definition of fun, which is that it is playful, connected flow. And that nearly every anecdote people have shared with me about fun experiences matches that definition which is just really exciting to me personally. But if you look at the details of those experiences, they're very different. Not everybody achieves playful connected flow through the same activities or in the same contexts. And so what I suggest that people do, and this is what the second half of the book is devoted to, it's called How to Have Fun, is that you mine your own life for our own past experiences of true fun. What are three examples from your own life where you really, that you would describe as having been so fun or truly fun? And then ask yourself, what are the activities that are involved in those memories? What are the settings and what are the people? And then also what objects, if any, were involved? And that's so that you can identify what I refer to as fun magnets. And that's the activities and the people and settings that are the most likely to attract fun for you personally. They're not guaranteed to produce fun because fun is an emotional state. It's kind of like romance. Like you can set the stage for it, but if you try too hard, it's just going to run away. Right. But it's the most likely. And the reason I love that idea is that one of my goals for people is that you have fun on your schedule. You plan for fun. That sounds like it's an oxymoron, <laughs> right? How are you going to do that? But what I realized is that fun magnets can help. You know, I can't put on my calendar, all right, tomorrow night, I'm going to have fun from 8 to 10 p.m. <laughs> right. Right? Like not going to work and I'll probably feel pressured and then I'm going to feel yeah. bad because I'm going to fail. But I can say to myself, okay, I personally know that a fun magnet for me is getting together with this particular group of friends and playing music together huge fun magnet for me. It generates different degrees of fun, but it's more likely than most activities to generate fun. I can put that on my schedule. So I can put these fun magnets on my schedule and then up my chances of having more fun. So I love that about it. And then the next step for that, going to the question about fun factors, is to ask yourself, okay, well, what are the common characteristics of the things that typically generate fun? For me, music is a big one or physicality. Like I love dancing, for example, and I've got a whole list of these in the book, but what are these characteristics, these fun factors and the, the value of recognizing those is you can use those to generate more ideas for things to try because trying new things itself is a great way to increase your likelihood of having fun, especially if you do it with someone you consider like do it with one of your human fun magnets, but you also <laughs> might discover a new activity, a new fun magnet, you then can add to your list of options. So ideally, you want to have a huge menu of activities and people and places that you know, typically generate fun for you. And it's all going towards this broader goal of being able to turn fun from this nebulous abstract concept that we all kind of want, but we don't know how to achieve into something that you can pin down a bit and actually work into your life in a structured way so that you can feel all these benefits 
without feeling like it's work. Yeah, much more tangible. Yeah, and yeah, fun is this kind of like abstract thing sometimes. And it's like, have fun, but it's like, I feel like you do have to like ask like, how, how, like how do I do that? And you're kind of creating this list or whatever, these lists of things that you could go to. Nat, you're definitely a fun magnet for me. You're definitely, you are too. Yeah, I'm like, if Nat's <laughs> there, we're, we're gonna have a good time probably. Something I thought that was really interesting that's also in your book is your acronym SPARK, which stands for making space, pursuing passions, attracting fun, rebelling, and keeping at it, right? Mm -hmm. Can you explain to our listeners what SPARK is, how you implement that, and how that can help them have more fun in their lives? Yeah, so I suggest starting with this process of identifying your fun magnets and fun factors so you have that awareness and you kind of have these concrete things you know are likely to generate fun for you. But then how do you actually incorporate them into your life? And then how do you build even more opportunities for everyday fun? You know, you can have peak, what I think of as peak fun, like the moments that were so fun, you're going to remember them for the rest of your life. But then you can also have just little moments every day of playfulness, connection, and flow that you might not remember forever, but that if you actually label them as such, do represent moments of true fun. So in, it came up with this system I call Spark to help people through this process. And the first step is to make space for fun because many of us do feel overwhelmed right now. We feel like we couldn't possibly squeeze anything yeah. else into our lives. And we need to make space for fun and treat it as a priority and something that is worth being treated as a priority. And I would argue that lowest hanging fruit there is some of the time we're currently spending on our phones and our screens. Mm. Um, I'm not anti-technology and I'm not anti-relaxation or enjoyment or entertainment. But think upon reflection, many of us would realize that we're actually spending not just minutes, but in many cases, hours a day on some sort of passive consumption that either straight up doesn't make us feel good. Often social media is that, or that we enjoy in moderation, like watching a favorite TV show, but we don't enjoy when we spend seven hours of the time doing it. So there's a lot of time to reclaim. So that's one of the main messages of making space. Also giving yourself the emotional permission to, as we discussed, to have- Like we said fun. earlier, yeah. 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 So there's a lot of stuff in this making space that's kind of creating the foundation for fun. And then pursuing passions is going to the idea of these fun magnets, basically building up as many passions and also interests and hobbies as you possibly can, in part because they're likely to give you more tools to find true fun, but also because even if you don't have full-on playful connected flow- Hobbies, interests, and passions are enjoyable and rewarding uses of your time by definition. And I think the more that we have, the better we'll be able to spend our time when perhaps it isn't possible to hang out with your best friend for a whole weekend. You yeah. know, it's like a random Tuesday night and you're alone and you're tired. Your normal default would be to go to Instagram or to, I don't know, play a game online or something. And it's useful to instead have this list of alternatives that you derive pleasure from, even if it's not, again, true fun. Also, the more knowledge and skills you have, the easier it will be for you to slip into flow and connect with other people and to have fun with them. And the example I like to give for that comes from the man who coined the term flow to begin with. And he points out that a chessboard, for example, to someone who doesn't play chess is just a, well, like me, <laughs> a board <laughs> on it. But if you know how to play chess, then it's a portal into connection and flow and playfulness. You have this, this ability. It's a tool with which you can find fun. And I think that's true for all sorts of different skills and hobbies. Like during the pandemic, I was taking online Zoom drum lessons. And I enjoyed that on my own. It became a hobby and a passion on its own. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't qualify as fun per se, I don't think, because I wasn't connected really. I was just really into it. But now that I'm able to gather with friends more easily, it is a portal to fun. 
So that's why I think there's a couple of reasons why I think creating more passions and interests and hobbies is really useful for finding fun and then just more fulfillment in our everyday lives. Attracting fun has to do with becoming someone who is open to fun, who has what I call a fun mindset, who appreciates absurdity, who's able to focus on the positive aspects Mm -hmm. of life, the little everyday delights and the moments of playfulness, connection and flow that already occur. Because if you think about it, we spend so much time and energy focusing on the negative. Yeah. And that's well known to actually color our moods. And then our moods are actually contagious to other people. If you're anxious and depressed, the people around you are more likely to be so. Uh-huh. But if you are upbeat and positive and cheerful, I mean, not Pollyanna-ish, but in a non-annoying way. Yeah. <laughs> so that chapter and that step of uh, the process is really about trying to yeah develop more of this fun mindset and also creating more structures for fun, more kind of, um, I call them playgrounds, which might make people think I mean monkey bars. I don't mean that, but just little yeah, structures for fun. Like I found it very interesting. For example, I, I organized a friend camp this summer for some friends of mine. Do you guys went to a that summer is- camp? Yeah. <gasps> like I've been, okay. I've seen people do that and I've been wanting to do that. It's like adult summer camp. Yes. Do it. Oh my it's- God. It sounds like so much fun. It's so fun. There's like a lake. We did a circus arts class, but I was nervous going into it because I was like, oh God, what if no one, what if no one has fun? I'm supposed to be the fun person. What if they don't have fun? And I was thinking, oh, I'll just, maybe I'll bring some props. Like I'll bring, I brought a hula hoop and I brought um, embroidery floss. And I'm like, I don't know if anyone's going to do anything with this. But I I let them out. And it was so interesting because these adults, like there were kids there, but it was not the kids who picked up these things. It was the adults, grown adults. You started like I have these friendship bracelets on my wrist, and that's because of camp because everyone started making friendship bracelets as oh if we were God. 16. And then, you know, I saw some guy trying to teach himself how to hula hoop. Like, there, there was like a hula hoop circle going on <laughs> with this guy who, um, he works at an oil refinery during his day job, like, not the guy you would think would be, <laughs> would be doing the hula hoop. <laughs> yeah, getting someone else to teach him to hula hoop. So, my point is that I think often if we look at our fun experiences or if we're trying to come up with ideas for how to spark fun, there's actually a benefit of putting out some props and creating these little structures and playgrounds for fun and just seeing how people interact with them. Because you behave in a different way when you're offered a hula hoop than you would if you're at a cocktail party just with like a glass of wine. You know, there's a different Mm -hmm. element. Sorry, you asked me a question with a long answer here, but Rebel is probably my favorite. Like when I read through all of the examples that people share with me of fun, there was often this theme of playful rebellion or a teensy bit of deviance or naughtiness running through them, like ah. very harmless forms of doing something a little bit out of the ordinary or a little bit out of what is expected from us as adults. And I love that. I mean, really, truly simple things like someone talked about hosting an ice cream party in the middle of I don't know, January in Seattle and huddling (laughs) and eating ice cream and how much people love that because it was slightly quirky and unusual. Or I always suggest like maybe instead of to the news in your car as a responsible adult, put on a song you love when you were a teenager and just sing along. as Yes, Mm -hmm. I love doing that. Right. And it's a way to indulge yourself in a way that feels really good. And actually, as we've discussed, is good for us. So I just love that, like little ways to rebel in your everyday life, do things a little differently. And then the last thing is just keep at it, which is that, you know, fun is like exercise. Like you can't just prioritize it once and then forget about it. It's an ongoing process, especially with all this fake fun that's being marketed to us and all the other demands on our time. And so that's very much about how do we create a plan for fun? How do we incorporate more of our fun magnets into our lives on a regular basis and spend more time with the people who are fun and become more fun ourselves and just make sure it's at the top of our priority lists. So that's the whole thing in a nutshell. 
or really long. long. No, no, I mean, that was so, I mean, it all makes sense. And it's like, I, I love your approach that is so, it, it's so like scientific, tangible. but it's like, yes, it's like tangible. Like this is how to do it. And I, I think it's going to give our listeners so much inspiration to find more fun, at least for me too, like find more fun in our lives. And I was thinking now I know what our little rebellious thing is. Oh, I yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we, we, we have something that we do that's that's our little rebellion. And we're thing. like, oh, um, we're having fun. Yeah. But but Catherine, thank you so much for your time and for walking us through how to have more fun in our lives. We're gonna link to uh your your website, Screen Life Balance, and they can pre-order your book, which is The Power of Fun, How to Feel Alive Again, or get your book that's already out, How to Break Up with Your Phone. And um, yeah, we we hope to have you back on and we can talk more about it. Yeah. There's so much. I want to hear how your fun interventions go. And yeah, the, oh, we the, oh, fun there's a lot more that. also at howtohavefun.com. Oh, yeah. People want to check that out. Yeah. And I'm going to be doing a fun intervention, like a big fun intervention challenge in February in particular, because I've decided February is the least fun month of the year. I've just decided. <gasps> that's to my birthday month. <laughs> well we'll make it more fun we'll make it more fun yeah. i agree with you more it's not fun. The yeah so month. if anyone wants to join in on that they can I, I actually will be using social media for a force for good during that i still can't promise that i will understand how to use the direct message feature, <laughs> posting challenges there if people want to follow me and then also um i'll be doing some of my newsletter so you can sign up for that at howtohavefun.com and there's quizzes like a fun personality type quiz and a quiz about why you aren't having fun so trying to make it as interactive for people as possible. But I really appreciate the chance to get to talk with you guys. And I'm so happy it worked out. Oh, yeah. Yes. We're so happy oh, to have you, you so on. Much. Thank you so, so much. We'll link to everything in our show notes so our listeners can find you. And thank you. Have a great, fun-filled rest of fun your day. day. <laughs> you too. Take care. Right, bye. 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 Okay, now we have some homework to do. I know we have a we have some fun interventions to do. Oh yeah, fun interventions. Fun interventions. I loved her, and I love like for me, I really need like everything I do. I love like the science behind things. Yes, like meditation. I'm like, oh, there's actual science to support that this is helping me. Mm -hmm. Same with fun. So we officially have permission from Catherine to have fun, to have more fun for in the name of our health. And it's for the sake of our health. For the sake of our health. And you're type one. I'm yeah. Can you believe? We've never had another fellow type one. I know. And I love so the way exciting. it like naturally came up. I know. Wow. That uh, was fun for me. <laughs> that was a true moment of fun for me. It was fun for me. We're few and far between I here. feel like I have type one at this point because I get as, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm like, oh, Corinne is my number one like ride or die type one homie. Like, she'll school people. She's like, that is a Dexcom. This is what it does. Like, if I see someone in public, I almost want to come up, go up to them. Yeah. But I don't have it. So it's just like, oh, do you have type 1? It's like, yes. <laughs> we like, screamed at a guy in Mexico. Oh, yeah. Oh, my we like, God. Hey! He was like way down and He was the also beach. like with his girlfriend. And his girlfriend's like, what the fuck? We're like, type 1. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, cool. <laughs> Um, okay, well, if you guys want to connect more with Catherine Price, or you can pre-order her book that's coming out, mm -hmm. um, we're going to link to her and her book in the show notes. Again, her book, it's How to Have Fun. How to Have... Oh, no, no, The Power, the power of, of Fun. How to Feel Alive Again. Her book comes out December 21st, and I think it's actually a really great Christmas idea. Oh, totally. Also, um, she has some quizzes on her website, oh, yeah. com, and we there's like personality tests so it's your fun personality quiz and we took it corinne you are a i'm a fun seeker and i am a fun 
generator, generator. Which I feel like makes sense. I love to find like fun things to do. Like yes. like for our trip we went on, like I like to Yes. I don't I, I don't like to plan, but I love to find things. Well, I like how she was when she was talking about playfulness, connection and flow. I was like that's why we do so well on our little because we never really have an agenda we have like one thing mm-hmm. we're like do you want to go on a colonial walking tour yes yeah <laughs> and then just, everything else is just, just kind of whatever we want to really just flow to parks we just we we're just, just walking <laughs> we're just walking around a park <laughs> wherever on vacation in your town we are just in, in your park we're aimlessly walking around the local park <laughs> yes and that is true fun for us it so is. <laughs> okay, now, so should we circle back on this? Oh, Fair La Fête. Fair La Fête. A little sparkling wine we're drinking. sparkling wine. I, Ooh. I like It's very effervescent. Wait, well, let's uh, reveal our hottie of the week. Our <gasps> fun, or I'm going to say our fatty. Our, fu- <laughs> like our, our fun, fun hottie. <laughs> um, our fun hottie this week is Joe Jonas. Yes. Because, first of all, he just seems like so much fun. Yeah, no, he's a good time. He feel like he dresses up a lot. Yeah. He, like, he actually, like, wanted to be a comedian. Yeah, he's, like, he's, he's fun. He's fun and funny. Yeah, and we just went to a Jonas Brothers concert. That, that part, too. The other day, which was really fun. Was really fun. We had fun. a great time. So, one to Joe Jonas, what are we rating this Fair La Fête? Sparkly wine. I really, I mean, this, I kind of love it. I really like. I'm like, let's get this for New Year's. I love it. It's great. Joe, is out it of a Joe? Joe out of Joe? I think it's a Joe out of Joe. Cheers to a. Cheers to that. Cheers. Oh my god. I think he's our fourth or fifth. Yeah. Out of like sixty plus. Yeah. <laughs> wines we've drinking. We can co-sign. Oh yeah, Fair for sure. Lafette. So we'll link it in the show notes if you guys want to pick up a bottle. All right, this is the time of the episode where we play a little wrap-up game where we play, fun, play, fun, uh-huh, play, a little uh-huh. wrap-up game. This week we're playing Would You Rather. Would we haven't you played it in a while. Rather. Um, yeah. Now, do you want to go first? Because mine is from the internet. Yeah. Mine's not, like, amazing, but it's something to really ponder. And that's, would you rather be too hungry or too full? Oh, too full. One thousand really? percent. Yes. Oh, interesting. I can see that for you, though. Because my, I mean, I don't, again, I don't have type 1, but my blood sugar drops and I become, it's like the Incredible Hulk. And Joe's been, <laughs> he's been the punching bag for a lot of times where I've been too hungry, oh, where Joe. I'm like, <gasps> And he's like, oh, my God. And then if we, God forbid, we can't decide where to eat. Oh, Oh, hell no. No. So for me personally, too hungry. But no, I mean, too full. full. I know I'm going to have one for you. But what, which one would you choose? I would rather be too hungry. Oh, so, okay. You're the opposite of me. I, yeah, I really hate being too full is like, I want to throw up. I think because I I hate being nauseous and wanting to throw up so much. Yeah, me too. I can't do that that's fair that's both, fair both are torturous they're states, terrible so okay so here's my would you rather for you would you rather be in jail for five years or in a coma for a decade oh shit that's kind of a good one okay <laughs> honestly yeah i think i'd rather be in a coma okay because here's the deal i was just I saw a tweet this morning that was like, I don't have a one-year plan. I don't have a five-year plan anymore. Like, once the pandemic happened, like, it's all out the window. I'm just trying to get to tomorrow. Okay. So, you know, these next 10 years, I don't know what's going to happen. I might as well just be asleep. That's fair. That's very fair. You know what I mean? Because I could wake up and the whole world could be gone. Mm-hmm. Or I and could you didn't wake see up- it all happen. I didn't see it all happen. Or I could wake up and there could be a lot of good change. Mm. 
the odds not in our favor the odds aren't in our favor um <laughs> at climate change but you never know i think i would rather do that i think that's a fair a, a fair decision because again you're not going to be experiencing in, in jail there's a lot of trauma it's going to be a trauma. hard five years if you could sleep for 10 years oh my god i could really catch up you could really catch up <laughs> and i need to <laughs> and i need to although i would probably try to have fun in prison I would play domino. I love playing dominoes already. What about the food? Uh, food wouldn't be great, but mm. I would probably. You'd make the most out of it. Fun generator. You'd generate some fun. I in would that make the cell. most out of it. I could probably do some tattoos. Like, oh, yeah. We'd have a good time. <laughs> but I'd still rather be in a coma. That's fair. Very fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's the episode. Um, if you guys liked it, don't forget to rate and review our podcast. It really helps us grow. And we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode. Love you guys. Love you. Bye.